All right, welcome back to episode six of Mission Down the Rabbit Hole. I'm Rangan. And I'm Tessa. (laughs) (laughs) And um, like I said, this is episode six. We took a break last week, took a week off. We both needed to recharge, breathe, meditate, (laughs) all those things. (laughs) But we're back. We're back this week. Um, It is a Saturday night, so we're probably going to be popping. Litty titty. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to be talking about 60s and 70s counterculture and all of the rabbit holes and questions that we can go down for that one. And this is a, what I would say, a Tessa-centric episode. (laughs) I love that. She's going to take the lead and we're going to have some fun. All right, kids, let's uh, let's do this. <laughs> so today we're going to break on through to the other side <laughs> of the counterculture music oh. scene. <laughs> break on through to the other oh, side. <laughs> okay, that's staying in. Oh. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> thank you for this. <laughs> I just thought of this, uh, this line a few minutes ago before we started recording. I'm so proud. Oh my <laughs> God, that's really awesome. Good. Okay, so in all serious note, though, uh, we are going to break on through to the other side um, of the counterculture music scene of the 60s and the 70s. <clears throat> Many beloved musicians of the time didn't really align with the values they were singing of. Many musicians weren't who they say they were. Remember bloodlines rule the world (laughs) there are a lot of military intelligence connections here Uh, numerous mysterious deaths and bizarre accidents seem to be the norm during the peace and love movement Mm -hmm. laurel canyon is where most of our dive is going to take place it's one of many secluded canyons in la and uh, it's located in the hollywood hills west district of la per wikipedia so discretion um (laughs) so uh put your records out of sight you're not going to want to see those puppies anymore grab a drink for this one and get cozy (laughs) such a good radio voice Uh, so um i got this book called weird scenes inside the canyon laurel canyon covert ops in the dark heart of the hippie dream by uh david mcgowan mcgowan so that's what I read. Uh, and I also did some further research, you know, uh, to look at some of this, but that's where a lot of this came from. So if you're interested in reading into a lot of this crazy shit, go ahead and get that. I, you, mm-hmm. We can put it in the um, show notes or whatever, the book. Oh, we can yeah, reference yeah. the book. So uh, there's a lot of things here. So we're going to be all over the place. Let's just do it. So one of the questions here that I have, right? Why did everybody go to LA? So we're in the 60s is where we're going to start here. It, um, it's like set mid- the scene. Set the scene. It's, you know, uh, early 60s. And the music scene at the time is in Nashville, Memphis, or LA. So okay. why, why are these hippies turning up in LA? So there's no music industry in LA. There was no live music scene. They went there, but there doesn't seem to be a reason for it. Oh, wait, um, you said Memphis, Nashville, and... New York. New York is what you meant, right? Okay. Yes. What did I say? You said LA. Oh, disregard. 
Thank you for catching that. Um, so another thing here then to start thinking about, right? Let's, let's, we're just looking at it from a different perspective, right? So right. the entire youth culture of the sixties was created not as um, a grassroots challenge to the man perhaps, but maybe instead- Which is what we're led to believe. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But as a PSYOP, as a psychological operation, discrediting and marginalizing the growing anti-war movement and creating a fake opposition that could easily be controlled and manipulated. What if in reality they were playing for the same team, all of them? Because mm-hmm. what was happening at the time is we were dealing with like Vietnam was happening or it was about to happen. So um, it, Vietnam was, you know, a shit show. And right. Uh, there was a lot of people who opposed Vietnam. And it was I, the most highly opposed war, I believe, yes. that the United States ever participated in, yes. Yes, and, you know, we, for reference, you know, we we were in World War II in the 40s, right? And mm-hmm. that, that was a hell of a time. So this is, you know, a little while after, but at the same time, not too much long after it. People, mm-hmm. you know, we, we've just kind of gotten to a point where we're far enough out of the war. Life is, you know, kind of prospering again. Like, we don't want to deal with... Just 20 years. It wasn't that big of a difference. Right. So, yeah. um, <clears throat> so for perspective then, right? The first Vietnam War teach-in was in March 1965 at the mm-hmm. University of Michigan, Okay. The first walk on Washington happened a few weeks later. No hippies, right, as we would call it, right? No hippies mm-hmm. were either of these events. As in, like, no people who would be really, you know, like, hey, man, no war, like how it's portrayed. None of these hippies were at these movements. It was oh. mostly, yes. No, go ahead. Finish that sentence. <laughs> I was just going to say, it was mostly, uh, like, regular people and college students and their professors. It was people, reputable people that you wouldn't question, like, when they speak, you're kind of like, yeah, I agree with what they say. What were you okay, so my question, because I, and I literally just thought of it as you're explaining it, because I'm, I'm imagining now, when the fuck was the first hippie sighting? It, I'm gonna this. Okay, okay, during this in Laurel Canyon. So all of a sudden, people just randomly started dressing like that. Okay, go ahead. Right, like, right, like this. Thank you. The wheels are turning, people. Mm -hmm. We are starting to get into this. So, um, further thing the government infiltrated the hippie movement to create their own drugs to test Mm -hmm. openly on people into the drug scene without knowing it. We know this to be true. Um, but they just LSD, yeah, right, right. Uh, fueling stereotypes and creating a war on drugs. Mm such a joke they created that for endless control brainwashing and money right so also another twist to to the just say no thing um why were the musicians who were part of the counterculture movement who promoted drug use why were they allowed to be endorsed because these people why weren't they arrested a corporate America promotes these people on every source of media, yet the same media telling you just say no while is buying, you know, the latest hot albums. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's all about money. It's all about money. And so how can you have this whole thing of like, yeah, you know, just say no. Well, that happened a little later, but there was, you know, huge propaganda mm-hmm. with drugs happening then from, you know, the, the government and from the media. And so 
how can you be endorsing these people on television, in magazines, newspapers, if they're everywhere, you want the kids to buy their shit, look up to them, whatever. Why? If we know what they're doing, how are you? It's crazy. But some of them do get arrested and do see trouble. But then when they are arrested, like nothing really happens. It's kind of a show. It kind of gives more credibility. Like, oh, they were, they got arrested for, you know, possession. Like, but did they ever go to jail? No. This was probably like, that was probably honestly the beginning of the um, really big infiltration Mm. of Mm. the government into mainstream mainstream. media yes so it's to me it's no different if you think about today where whatever doctors and what have you on tv talk out of both sides of their mouth right where they're like oh you have to do this this and this to be healthy but those things that they're telling you to be healthy aren't actually healthy it's pushing you in the direction of buying prescription drugs or exactly you know doing shit that's going to make them money both ways so it's all about money always and control those are the two yeah (laughs) (laughs) um and the 60s and 70s music scene was propaganda mind control being used on the public to form opinion of of everything just as it's done today but that's when it just like super cranked up because it was like well this is different and it but you're told to think how it's different and what form Mm -hmm. um it's sort of like mk ultra style things like people those people don't realize what they've fallen victim to until it's too late they want the fame success money career whatever um if they're not planted to integrate right. by the government, like if, if they're real people trying for this, they don't know what they're getting into. Um, so those are my beginning points to take us into everything. <laughs> so, okay. So I want to, I want to back up a little bit because um, I sort of cut you off, but you were talking about how um, the very first walk on Washington and opposition to Vietnam were regular people, professors, professional people, whatever. Um, And I was like, but wait, when did hippies show up? So let's go back to that a little bit and um, tell me more about that. So hippies show up in uh, like on Sunset Strip, they're created, this is a little further down the line, but they're they're created, um, uh, they're called the Freaks, Frank Zappa. Uh, okay. No, no, Vito yeah, yeah. and the Freaks. Vito and the Freaks. Vito Polakis, I think, is his name. Um, he had, it was a gaggle of girls, they call it, you know, mm-hmm. underage girls going out there, being controlled and manipulated. Um, they would fill these clubs that they newly bought on Sunset mm-hmm. Strip all around the same time, right before all these musicians happened to all come there. Um they would go in there dressed in this hippie attire, right? And they would basically just like freak out on the dance floors, why they call them the freaks. Like they were high on acid, LSD, and nobody had apparently seen people freak the fuck out like that before. So people would go to the clubs to see them, not the musicians, because musicians aren't really playing. A lot of these bands live, like they suck, even on their app. Have you heard them? I'm sorry, but Jim Morrison can't sing. No, he's a guitar player. Mm, is he? So, <laughs> I mean, let's, allegedly. Let's, let's go to the Jim Morrison thing. This is where we're going to start because this is going to bring in a little bit of the Vietnam thing. Okay. Um, 
Jim Morrison, as you would know, this this is going to bring in a lot of things. So um, you're going to you, ruin a lot of music for me. I'm just going to tell you and to whoever's listening. Um, <clears throat> uh, I'm going to shatter you just a little bit, but understand, right? You can you can still listen, but you know you have an awareness now or an understanding, or you can you know look further into it and figure out what you want to <laughs> do. <laughs> But it's also kind of fun to hear some of these things when you have new eyes because just wait, I have a list of a few songs we're gonna talk about later that are gonna blow your fucking mind. Oh, so, I don't want to, but I'm ready. Um, Jim Morrison, his real name is James Douglas Morrison. He's a Sagittarius, Ooh. born December 8th, 1943 in, what do you have it folks? Melbourne, Florida. No way. Yes way. And he nicknamed himself the Lizard King. No, he did not. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. So he's known as the Lizard King. Um, he died. You know, he's part of the 27 Club, famous, yep. right? Where we know about that. You know, that's a part of things we are told to know about. Mm -hmm. Right. So he died uh, July 3rd, 1971 in Paris, France. So interesting when he died, no autopsy was done. So his death is still disputed because of this. Um, and what's- how, how did he allegedly die? Um, I think it was like uh, overdose. That's what I was thinking. Okay. There was a lot of them. Funny, right? It's, but we're, to, oh, well, yeah, it makes sense. Why? Because that's just the story that makes sense. I'm sure yeah. that does happen, but that's not always the case. Yeah. Um, so here's the fun part about Jim Morrison. His father <clears throat> is named George Morrison and daddy George was in command. <laughs> Listen, let me back up. Uh, George Stephen Morrison. Thank you. His father. He was a rear admiral in the Navy. Okay. Okay. And he happened to be in control, in command of the carrier division during the Gulf of Tonkin incident that happened in August of 1964, which, by the way, is called an incident because incident, it didn't really fucking happen the way it was portrayed. <laughs> right. <laughs> the incident. Are you fucking kidding me? So um, that was how, like, we deceived the world to go to war with Vietnam was in this Tonkin incident um, to go into the war of Vietnam mm -hmm. uh, by the hand of Lyndon B. Johnson, who took over after JFK was assassinated. If you want to take wait. it there, but, but wait. wait, he's the one who was in charge and just like let it happen and was like lied. Like there was two events and they said that like there was an attack here and there was an attack here, but there was only one verified attack. They couldn't like verify the second one. Um, so so wait, I'm just going to go somewhere a little bit sideways there. Do it. But so Lyndon B. Johnson, right, who took over after JFK was assassinated, mm -hmm. assassinated, mm -hmm. who did not want to go to war, by the way, did not want to participate in Vietnam. Thank you. But LBJ's family had big business in it because they owned the companies that made the fucking artillery shits. Thank you. The tanks and shit. That's why we went to war. People get rich. It's not us. No, that's why they do it. Sorry, go ahead. No, this is great. So, so, so Jim Morrison's dad was basically 
in charge the cause he was in charge yes he was in charge of the ships and was like let's deceive them and let's fucking take on vietnam weird okay carry on and jim morrison also attended high school in alexandria virginia which is over here where i live and the alexandria and arlington are areas where mm-hmm. military lives and government and things like that um he attended the same high school we'll come back to we'll, we'll get to this but as john phillips from the mamas and papas and cass elliott so we've got oh, all weird. these people who go to the same okay. school in Virginia, right in the DC backyard of DC. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So that's the the little bit we've got on Jim Morrison and his father. So just so just to uh, let you know about that. So let's let's go to um, <laughs> okay. Let's talk about uh, Laurel Canyon really quick. Geography or just some information about it. So you know, there's a lot of canyons in California. I've never been to California, mm-hmm. so I can't describe it like I've been there like that. Same. Okay, so so uh, see, we don't know what we're talking about, but we know a little bit about what we're talking about. (laughs) We know what we've read. So there was it's a private canyon, secluded. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Back in its heyday, right? It had it it still has some of these places, um, but it had its own market, deli, cleaner, elementary school, which was called Wonderland School. Ooh. They also had a rehab center called Wonderland Center. Um, and it used to have its own newspaper, boutiques, things like that. Uh, so the forties was when things started to change in Laurel Canyon, when it started to develop more of these things. Okay. Um, the forties was when the Laurel Canyon Boulevard was extended into the San Fernando Valley, which, uh, gave access to the Canyon from both North and South. <clears throat> so we're going to, um, we're going to just take a turn here. We're bouncing around everywhere. It's relevant, but moving on. We're going to talk about this thing here. I had never heard of it. It's called Lookout Mountain Laboratory. Have you heard of this? Yes. So I'm going to give you some information. Okay. Um, how much do you know about it? Start talking. <laughs> so it's in Laurel Canyon. It's actually kind of like at the top of it, nestled down. Uh-huh. Okay. So Lookout Mountain Laboratory was built in 1941 and it's back between like two and a half secluded acres off of what is now Wonderland Park Avenue. It's hidden from view, uh, Mm -hmm. surrounded by electric fence. So it was originally envisioned as a fortified air defense center. By 1947, the facility featured a fully operational movie studio it claimed it was the world's only completely self-contained movie studio. It had a hundred thousand square foot floor space, mm-hmm. a covert studio. It, it had a soundstage, screening rooms, film processing labs, editing facilities, animation departments, seventeen climate-controlled film vaults, <laughs> <laughs> helicopter pad, bomb shelter. Um, they produced. Uh, about 19,000 classified motion pictures. And uh, wouldn't we say that's like the real motion picture capital? Not, yes. not LA, not Hollywood. It's this. They, they produce like war propaganda films and they would yep. have celebrities in it talking about it, like working with the Air Force, working with the government. Like, excuse me, what's the point of that? Yep. And, um, right, so it, it was originally run by the Air Force, um, 
and it was producing footage of, um, <clears throat> excuse me, atomic and nuclear test bombs. And uh, the facility had as many as 250 producers, writers, directors, animators, both civilian and military employed. Wow. Uh, and the existence of the facility was pretty much unknown to the general public until the early 90s. Uh, and it's long rumored that the CIA operated a secret movie studio somewhere in or near Hollywood. And I mean, I don't know how secret that is, but like... Project, Project Mockingbird, right? <laughs> Isn't that what that is? The CIA did all their shit, propaganda, commercials, videos. Isn't that Project Mockingbird? Is that what that is? Um, Pretty sure. I think so. Pretty sure. I can't, Sorry, I go can't, ahead. I can't verify. I think you're right, though. Um, that's what I have about Lookout Mountain Laboratory. So Ooh. let's discuss. What do you think Am of I? that? So I have heard of that. Hold on. It's crazy. How I would have, are you um, looking at Mockingbird? Well, yes. And also, verify. yeah, hold on. Verify, verify. I looked up one of the uh, atomic uh test footage like some of these you can look up so like if you go on youtube you can search lookout mountain laboratory footage or videos or something like that um mm -hmm. and it will give you uh some of the things that they produced there and it's just it's fucking crazy <laughs> okay so project mockingbird was a wiretapping operation initiated allegedly by jfk Huh? Right. Okay. This sounds to right. identify the sources of government leaks by eavesdropping on the communications of journalists. Yes. But <clears throat> what, hold on. But let's see. It, it says it was a telephone intercept activity, but um, it was also they also started putting out like propaganda videos and stuff. Um, from my yeah. understanding, um, because it was. Rockefeller Commission started looking into it, looking into it. Yeah. Um, as well. Let's see. I'm just scanning super quick. Oh, and then oddly, the Attorney General said that it was likely not legal because the apparent purpose of the surveillance was to determine the source of leaks rather than to obtain foreign intelligence. So right. they, it wasn't legal, but they didn't do anything. That's how it always goes. Yeah. Anyway, that was my, I, then I was also looking at Lookout Mountain Laboratory. It is still listed mm -hmm. as the um, 1352nd Motion Picture Squadron. Motion oh. Picture Squadron. Motion Picture Squadron. United States Air Force 1947 to 1969. It's insane. Yeah. Why does the government have a building at the top of a canyon where all of these quote unquote celebrity musicians live that right. they're collaborating with to make propaganda films? I'm sorry, there's so many questions here. It says, listen, it says it was the most important film studio in US <laughs> Cold War history. Wow. The studio nestled in Hollywood Hills operated from 1947 to 1969. 
uh, at the nexus between the emerging military industrial complex and the Hollywood culture industry. Uh, wasn't that the title that I wrote? I wrote yes. that as the title for this episode. Yes. <laughs> it made hundreds of movies, processed hundreds of thousands of feet of film, and stored volumes of Cold War imagery and served as a regular meeting spot for atomic scientists, military brass, and Hollywood professionals. From the first post-war atomic tests, as you said, through the Cuban Missile Crisis and even the fields of Vietnam, I'm now I'm thinking of that stupid movie with Robert Downey Jr., Tropic Thunder. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, God. Lookout Mountain Laboratory, more than any other film studio, de determined the look of nuclear America. They just said it. You have it here, folks. Are like, you fucking kidding me? <laughs> you just fucking read that? Like what? That's, it's just out there. It's just out there. Nobody looks for that shit. What the Nobody fuck? questions this stuff unless you say, look and think at all about of this it. shit. What are they doing there? Why do these people need to come in and make videos with this celebrity and this diplomat? And why are they whining and dining in the secret? Because it's union? fake. It's because fake. it's all fake. Anytime the United States goes to war. They're in cahoots with the people they're at war with. Absolutely. Because they're all going to make money. Yep. And they just have to do a little bit of damage to create enough fear for the public to believe it and allow them Innocent, to change the laws. Yes. Innocent people are going to die. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of innocent people are going to die. Thousands of military personnel across both sides are going to be traumatized and think that they are at odds with the other people just so the leaders can all make money. We call this a false flag. There's so, <laughs> so many false flags. <sighs> so okay. let's go. We just went next. sideways. I told you this whole thing is going to be sideways. So we did Jim Morrison. Um, so, right, let's, okay, these, these, uh, the freaks here. Yes, I think this is the guy with the freaks. And yes, he is. So Vito Palakis. Uh, he was a producer. So like a movie producer, music producer. Okay. So, uh, the freaks were said to be a group of dancers who dropped acid and, and they drew in the crowds, uh, to see the up and coming bands. Right. So it was, uh, also to distract from the actual music being played because right. These bands sucked. Like I said, first hippies. <laughs> so okay. we have this established. Uh, so this guy, he was born Vitatus Alfonso Polakis, May 20th, 1913, Lawrence, uh, Massachusetts. Lawrence. Oh, Massachusetts. Okay. Lawrence. Yeah, sorry. So in 1938, he was convicted of armed robbery, sentenced to 25 years. Boom. So a couple years later, after uh, four years after his conviction, he was released into the custody of the U.S. Merchant Marines. Okay. Okay. So then he was released from service in 1946 and he went to LA. So hmm. it's said that he, uh, he operated like the first crash pads. Um, first of all, I, I had never heard of Vito Polycus before this, so I don't have a lot of prior knowledge. Um, so I know that he's very uh, respected, like people look up to him. It's like all of these people I'm talking about, they're legends, Jim Morrison, mm -hmm. you know, they're legends, but uh, legend for a reason. Right. Um, so 
Vito married this girl named Susan when he was 48 and she was 18. Oh, so she was 16 when they met. And this is going to be a recurring theme that we see throughout this because also, right, remember it's the times, like it's the 60s. There was definitely an underage thing going on and like it was cool back then. Um, So this is an interesting thing that I have uh, to tell you. So this is kind of real sideways. Hmm. I mean, it's connected, but it just goes to show you how like, it's a perfect example of like you hear a tragedy or you hear a story, but then when you, you know, you're not paying attention, you don't notice all the different versions of the story and all the inconsistencies and the inconsistencies make you question like, so did it happen? What's the truth? The entire thing's a lie. So there was a lot of shadiness. Like there was a lot of, you know, back then, okay, right. Everybody was doing drugs or dropping acid, LSD. There was a lot of uh, experimental drugs that were being created. Um, The CIA was creating drugs and infiltrating it in with people. This was just, you know, happening. Um, Right. So there was also a lot of crazy shit. Like there was a lot of Satanists out there, people doing all kinds of uh, like crazy shit. And lot of dark magic black magic and uh a lot of people getting hurt a lot of murders like really crazy shit like it wasn't this cool scene like it was made to be like a really fun time to you know do drugs and hang and party like it was fucking wild right so an example this fucking this blew me away this crazy story so uh this guy Vito and his little girl wife um <laughs> they <laughs> They had uh, some kids, and one of their kids is named Godot, Godot, something like that, Godot. It's spelled G-O-D-O, but I watched this documentary, and they pronounced it like Godot. They pronounced it different than Godot, which is how I was saying it. Okay. Either way, so this is his son. Um, So he died when he was three years old. Aww very tragic and oh wait hold on g-o-d-o-t godot there it is g-o-d sorry they had five children p.s five there it is yeah five the first one's name groovy yeah he, and they had like there's a bunch of weird names in there there's like moon wait g-r-u-v-i groovy mm-hmm. and then the letters bb yep Sky, wait, Freakus, P-H-R-E-E-K-U-S, who apparently went by Mark, um, God bless. and Godot, but then apparently he also had another child, Sophia Cream, Creme, Creme, sorry, go ahead, sorry, 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 I totally, I was just looking it up. Uh, they oh so um uh okay so so the little one yep he died when he was three he fell through the trap door of the roof of their home is what happened Mm. their address was 333 laurel avenue Mm. so uh here's different versions of the story Quote, two or three-year-old Godot fell to his death from a scaffold on the studio. The San Francisco Weekly said five-year-old boy fell through a skylight. 
Someone else said fell through a skylight during a wacky photo session on the roof and died at age three and a half. Uh, this guy, Albin from the band Love, said Vito got married, had a baby, gave it acid, and it fell off the roof and died. That probably isn't true. <laughs> that would be, like, the least. So, uh, so... I mean, and, maybe. And then, um, uh, there's this film called Mondo Hollywood, which I watched and I highly recommend. It's uh, a documentary that they f- filmed... Mondo, M-O-N-D-O, Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's Ready from now. 60... Uh, they shot at 65 to 67. Okay. So it's a documentary. Uh, yeah, they shot for two years and they go around and they're showing a lot of these people that I'm talking about. Okay. Um, and it's just showing the times. It's like really fucking weird. There's a lot of crazy shit. So if you want to just like see what this kind of time was like and who some of these people are and their natural environment of the 60s, you need to. <laughs> it's on YouTube. It's like an hour and a half long or something like that. Yeah. Um, so at the end of that film, they have like a credits in it, uh, like a postscripts or whatever. And uh Godot had died during the filming of that or since before it was released or something. Um, so you can see him in that with both of his mm. parents and you can see how fucking high as shit his mother is and all of them basically. Um, but it says that he died at age two, victim of medical malpractice. So there's a different one. And uh, friends that were close to the couple said that they seemed unfazed by the death and that they went out dancing the same night. Other people say that that's not true and that that didn't even happen. An interesting twist is that the little boy who died, Godot, uh, he was set to play the character Lucifer in Kenneth Anger's film, Lucifer Rising. So he had to find, oh. a, new, he had to find a new Lucifer baby after that. And by the way, <laughs> Kenneth Anger... The new Anger, devil baby. <laughs> by the way, Kenneth Anger was investigated by police on suspicion that he was making snuff films. His last name's Anger. Just so y'all know. Exactly. So there are also different versions of the medical malpractice story. One in which Vito is present, the father, and another one, someone calls him on the phone to tell him about the death. Uh, There's stories that the boy was like strapped down and he strangled on his own vomit, but it's like that wouldn't happen if to an injured, traumatized three-year-old. In another story, there's another story that the district attorney ordered drug tests to prove that Vito was drugging his own child and that the best way was with a spinal tap and that that killed him. Like crazy stories that don't even make sense. Um, The certificate of death says cause of death is shock due to hemorrhage into deep cervical and superior mediastinal areas, accidental. He died five hours after the incident. The autopsy was not completed until four months after the death. What? Once the body was released, it was another almost month before they buried him. So it took four and a half months for them to bury this baby. And the accident was reported by the attorney, not the parents. Really? Really, this is the the information that I found. Mm Mm-hmm. So there's so many inconsistencies with that insane so um there's a lot of suspicion here i mean clearly there's a lot of lies a lot of covering up here something very nefarious happened who the fuck wasn't paying attention to the three-year-old did you look at this guy by the way yeah he's fucking wild 
He looks like a goddamn Cro Magnon fucking <laughs> like <laughs> caveman. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Like he's so gross. Why? Yes. No, this is not okay. I told you, brace your fucking self. This is some crazy shit. And I don't like. Oh, oh, and he's oh. Did you see this baby? I, I, he's in Mondo Hollywood. He's an angel. You got to detach. You see? He's so cute. I know. The you got to detach, though. <laughs> this Pisces. He's such a baby. No, he is. But we don't know the truth. You know, all those houses there have fucking tunnel systems in them. There's tunnel systems to Laurel Canyon to or, or um, Lookout Mountain, I mean. Right. And people will just be like, oh, yeah, they have these tunnel systems. Like, oh. wow, crazy, cool. And I'm like, what the fuck do you think they had those for? What the fuck do you think they were doing? This is awful, by the way. Because I'm know. not just reading. And it says, these, these are bullet points on this it's an Illuminati news story, P.S. So, <laughs> but it says the young boy was reportedly subjected to pedophilic treatment by his parents and others. Yep. yep. The, the boy's parents displayed a truly chilling indifference to the child's death, which you said may or may not be true. Kenneth Anger <laughs> had expressed an interest in filming the boy. Mm-hmm. When he was snuff daddy. Right. And then someone said that the toddler died during a wacky wacky photo session yeah oh so we we don't really know what happened but you know it wasn't right for sure that shouldn't happen and nobody was supervising him or they were fucking doing some kind of fuck shit and he was a baby right he was three i they i think he was two they showed a picture of him like right before he died like a literal baby. Fucking sad, dude. He's so cute. Sorry. Now I'm all like, oh, my right, Pisces. Well, my Pisces is showing. It's showing, girl. Let's move it along. Let's move it along. Okay, let's go to something else that's, um, that's, uh, oh, let's do this right here. Here's a big name for you to uh, change the tides a little bit. Let's, let's okay. buck up. Let's buck up. Do so, it. but also nefarious. One of the greatest well known actors of his generation. Would you oh, be God. surprised to know that the biography is very similar? You're going to ruin it. What is it? I'm very going to ruin it. So we're going to be looking at the, the similarity between uh, Jack Nicholson. No! And Ted Bundy. No! <laughs> so no! There's, there's a lot of similarities between the two of them in their early stories, and it's very specific information. So, okay, so Jack Nicholson in The Shining is probably his true self. It's always their true selves. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. So these are some notes about Jack Nicholson's (laughs) early life. (laughs) Look at you. I told you, I'm going to tell you. Um, So all of this that I'm going to tell you, you know, change a name and it's the same thing with Ted Bundy. So Jack Nicholson, I didn't know any of this, by the way. His place of birth is unknown slash disputed, okay? His mother was an underage showgirl who was 17. The identity of- a stripper. And the identity of his father is unknown. 
So this oh. is the same as Ted Bundy. His father's identity is unknown. His mother was an underage, uh, she was probably underage stripper is probably the word they used or something yeah. like that. Um, unknown place of birth. So to avoid the social stigma, Jack Nicholson's grandparents adopted him as their son and he became John Joseph Nicholson Jr. Name change, red alert. Red alert indeed. So he grew up, Jack Nicholson grew up believing his mother was actually his older sister, June. So mommy dearest was around, but she was older sister, June. So he learned later in life that sister June was actually mother. um, And he learned this when he was 37. He was 37 years old in 1974. And his mother had passed away 10 years prior to that. So as it turns out, oh, and, and Jack Nicholson said, like, he doesn't really want to find out who is, it's, he's kind of like, I mean, yeah, it was a shock and whatever. Right. Um, so as it turns out, though, Jack Nicholson has no birth certificate. The closest thing he has is a certificate of delayed report of birth that was wow. filed on May 24th, 1954. And the document lists his place of birth as Neptune, New Jersey. Yes, I was just going to say, <laughs> it says Neptune City, New Jersey. But yeah, isn't that is, interesting? Yes, yes. So there is, in fact, no way to determine who Jack Nicholson really is. Huh. All of these details switch out. This is the same with Ted Bundy. His grandparents okay. raised him. They adopted him. He's found out his mother was later his sister. Uh, I don't know if the birth certificate thing is also true, um, but I know all the other details are uh, the same. Isn't that fucking wild? Hold on. So they're also only nine years apart. Who? Jack Nicholson and Ted Bundy. Ooh, interesting. Jack Nicholson was born... Cut from the same cloth, perhaps? Oh, shit. Shit, listen. No, Ted Bundy is the same birthday as Tyson. <laughs> and they both start with a T. <laughs> we have a direct connection, folks. <laughs> that is bananas. Wow, so we all learned, we learned even more tonight. Holy shit. <laughs> right, so no, so Ted Bundy was born in 1946 and Jack Nicholson was born in um, 37. Mm. So nine years before Ted Bundy. Um, And there's also, uh, so there's some videos or some documentary movie things that were made, some cult classics, if you will, um, that Jack Nicholson either was acting in or he wrote or produced, directed. So there's a lot of these that you can look at and see him in when he was young, hanging out with Dennis Hopper and Mm -hmm. uh, Peter Fonda. And they're in these crazy videos. Like there's one called The Trip, which was written by Jack Nicholson. And it's called The Trip because it's about an acid trip. And right. it's Peter Fonda. So that would be a hell of one to watch. There's also uh, this movie called Head from 68, which has the monkeys and Jack Nicholson in it. Um, so there's all kinds of shit you can see from, from back in the day to look at their early things and look at the symbolism, some of the things that are in them. There's a lot of crazy shit in these. Do you have any, like, um, any connection between, like, the quote-unquote British invasion music? 
I didn't look into that one, that part okay. of it, because that's a whole other part. But it right. is also like an infiltration thing. Um, right. I don't really. I haven't looked into it though, because spoiler, I don't like the Beatles. Well, I mean, there's fucking sue me. Help, Get over it. Help. It's fine. <laughs> I'm not mad at you for that. But there's like four songs that are solid for me. But I was listening. One of my favorite bands, like Forever and Ever, is Pink Floyd, and oh, so. Yes. So mm-hmm. I was listening to Brick in the Wall or whatever. Uh-huh. Like, have you ever listened to the lyrics of that? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's exactly like how I feel right now. <laughs> About like, you know, teachers leave those kids alone. You know, like, you're, you're just another like fucking brick in the wall, cog in the wheel, whatever, you know. Dude, you're just learning, man. learning to learn. Stop doing that. Like, Dude. think for yourself. Anyway. I just side I, I side noted there, but okay I'm all like I'm all obsessed now between Jack Nicholson and Ted Bundy connection. It's a good one. And we're gonna do um further in the future, we're gonna do an episode diving into some serial killer shit. But we're we're gonna gather some more research and information on that. But I'm uh, real excited about that. That's gonna be coming in the future. I, I have my wait. I have my favorites. Um so also, uh, there was some connection here I had with, uh, okay, <clears throat> David Crosby. He was the founding member of the Birds, and he was also Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Stills, Nash, yeah. Right. So here's a military connection. He oh was my the God, Jordan, I ruined that music uh, for hey, too. I'm, I'm sorry. So he was the son of a World War II military intelligence officer named Major Floyd Delafield Crosby. Uh, Floyd Crosby, Major Floyd Crosby, happened to be visiting Haiti in 1927. And this was when Haiti was under military operation by the Marines. And so one of the Marines who was there uh, in Haiti was a guy named... Captain Claude Andrew Phillips, and he's the father of Papa John Phillips. So we have two musicians, Papa John Phillips from the Mamas and Papas, and then we have David Crosby from Birds, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Both of their dads are just hanging out together in military intelligence in Haiti at the same time. And fascinating. Didn't, didn't the Papa John's dude go to school with Jim Morrison? Yes. In Alexandria, Virginia, here in, you know, intelligence area, uh, right. Okay, cool. Yep, on the same track. Um, So David Crosby's real name is David Van Cortlandt Crosby. He's connected to the Van Cortlandt family, the Van Schuler family, and the Van Resselanier family. Sorry, who cares? So all of these are, are powerful families um, who've been in, in power for over 200 years. They're high, they include people like high-ranking Masons, Supreme Court justices, senators, governors, Alexander Hamilton's relative, Civil War generals. Oh. David Crosby is connected to all those people. So he's in this cool, you know, whatever, you know, the birds, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, you know, this, this, this uh, right, the folk rock, uh, different kind of music thing. And... Mm-hmm. What? I'm sorry. It doesn't really seem like that's the thing then. If he's just got all these connections. He's just part of the club. He's just part of the music industry part of it. They put their claws right. in it over here with him. Yep. 
or maybe not you know the other side of it is that these people grew up with you know mil their fathers were in the military so they didn't want to live that life and right they wanted to go the opposite way but i don't think that happened with all of them that seems very unlikely right so uh there's another guy you might know by the name of john denver <laughs> <laughs> I'm just coming at you with it. Uh, his real name, which I am, I'm not going to say this right. Uh, his real name is Henry. I'm writing John, it. Henry John Duschendorf. That ain't right. Duschendorf. Duschendorf. Right. Stop it. D-E-U-T-S-C-H-E-N-D-O-R-F Jr. Deutschendorf. Deutschendorf, thank you. Yeah, I'm like this ain't right. There ain't you there. It's an e. <laughs> that is a very that is a very German. <laughs> very. <laughs> so uh, he was born in. I like Duschendorf better. <laughs> well, he probably was a Duschendorf. <laughs> so so John Denver was born December thirty first, nineteen forty three, in Roswell, New Mexico. No. Yes. <laughs> Um, his father was a career uh, Air Force officer who was assigned to the Roswell Army Airfield. Okay. Uh, John Denver attended Texas Tech in the early 60s, and then he dropped out in 64 and headed for L.A. Uh, okay. He joined up with the Chad Mitchell Trio, and then by November of 66, he was uh, a person who was of note that was there at the riot on the Sunset Strip, which was like a... Uh, it was like a curfew thing, but it had all these celebrities there, like staged to protest, like the lockdowns or something. Like they were putting curfews on, out, like in LA at that time for kids or something, or I think hmm. is what it was. But they had like Peter Fonda, Sonny and Cher, John Denver, all of these like musicians there for it. So uh, I don't fucking understand that. Come on. And then um, we know October 12th, 97, he is when John Denver, uh, his self-piloted plane crashed soon after taking off from Monterey Airport. So you also know about that. So very interesting. Um, There's a lot of um, plane crashes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is a lot of plane crashes. Um, yes, Deutschendorf. There we go. That's how you say that. Uh, okay, here's another one. This one. Oh, no, 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 this one. We got to talk about Frank Zappa for a minute. Yes, because he's related back to, um, hold on, don't tell me. He's related back to Vito, right? Somehow, or they're, they're kind of the same, they're like the same person. I don't really know much about either of them prior to this, so this is why I don't I, I don't well, know. It says Vito had his influence on musicians, including the birds, mm -hmm. love, and Frank Zappa. Okay, yes. Yeah. So they was he he was kind of like he was like dancer producer dude. They both they all did that. I think he was a producer. So, he was also a dancer, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so Frank Zappa was a well-known producer who, right, people love him, legend, but you should look up what he looks like. <laughs> He's um, not as bad. 
I mean, he's like a tall, skinny dude with a weird-ass mustache. He was born on the winter solstice, 1940, in Baltimore, Maryland. Funny that they're all just up here near D.C. It's just yep. so How'd they make it out to L.A.? All them hippies, right? Mm-hmm. And they're so, all in the same, they're born the same, like, time frame. Yep. This is going to blow your fucking mind about this, though. This is like a direct connect. So we got Frank Zappa. His father is Francis Zappa. And mm-hmm. he came from, uh, what's it called? Parnitio? Parnitio? I, I know I'm not going to say that right. Sicily? Parnitio? I think it's Parnitio. Probably. Uh, which is known as Mafia Heartland. So Naturally. Sicily, hello. Hello. <laughs> so his father was a chemical, a chemical warfare specialist assigned, assigned to the Edgewood Ar- Arsenal, which is near Baltimore, Maryland. And the Edgewood Arsenal is the longtime home of America's chemical warfare program. And it's the facility cited as being deeply involved in MK Ultra operations. Wow. So Frank Zappa grew up the first seven years of his life living in military housing on the grounds of that facility. Okay. I, you, you tell me. That's fucking wild. Yep. And if there's no involvement, that's a hell of a coincidence for, it's a hell of a coincidence for him to be there. So um, Gail Zappa is the wife of Frank Zappa. Her father was maybe, sorry? The most current wife. He had a wife before that. Yeah, he had a few of them. Yeah. Uh, but she was a wife. Is she? Uh, it, her father was a Navy officer who was working on classified nuclear weapons research. Yep. And she, Gail Zappa, she attended the same naval kindergarten as Jim Morrison. They went there together. Actually. What? Yes. Yes. And, wow. And the Zappa children, though, were fucked up, though. Like, they, same thing. Like, pedophilia was there. Like, um, he had a daughter named Moon, and she talked about, like remembering like dudes with body odor and beards like naked near her toys and shit and um fucking gross and uh yeah they were like encouraged when they were teenagers by their mother to shower with their overnight guests to conserve water like okay like they're not i'm not judging because i have weird kid names too but so you've got moon dweezel (laughs) yes Ahmet, which is not a weird name because I think that's a, a Middle Eastern name. Ah, we will come back to Ahmet. I have a connection. Okay, and then Diva. Diva. <laughs> you know, let me just tell you about Ahmet right now. Let me go okay, tell me. I'm going to click on that. Let me go to that note. So, um, oh, he's yeah. real weird. He, uh, okay. So, Ahmet, um, founded Atlantic Records, which is, I don't know if you know, but you know, a major, yeah. a major fucking record label. Seriously? So listen, I'm telling you, this entire thing is fucked up. It's crazy. So Ahmet was born in Istanbul, Turkey in 1923, the year the Turk Republic was established. His No, father, different guy, because Ahmet was born in 1974. There's a father and a son. So Ahmet is Frank Zappa's son. Right. I'm talking about the real Ahmet. There is. Oh, there's a different one. Okay. 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 Gotcha. Gotcha. Sorry. Yeah. Not. Yeah. Let me. um, My bad. Not his son. No, I didn't specify. It was not his son. The the guy that Ahmet get who he's named after. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. I may or may not be ranked. 
So <laughs> same. Um, <laughs> so the original or the one that the little boy is named after. Ahmed, okay. He was born in 1947. Uh, or sorry, sorry, sorry. He was born in 23. He founded yeah. it in 47. So he was born in Turkey in 23, 1923. Um, his father and grandfather were career diplomats. His father was named Turkish, uh, the first Turkish representative to the League of Nations in 1925. No big oh, wow. Um, after that, he was the Turk Republic's ambassador to Switzerland, France, and England. Uh, in 1935, Ahmet's father was named the first Turkish ambassador to the U.S., so they moved to D.C., and mm -hmm. then Ahmet went to all the little elite prep schools around D.C. here when he was around the age of 12, and then a couple years after his father died, he founded Atlantic Records in 1947. Okay. Wow. And so then, right, what, Frank Zappa just, you know, happens to be cool with him and know him. Like, these people all know each other. They're all connected by their bloodlines. It's, it's, it's not these stories of them coming from nothing or building it and creating no, it. No, they're all connected. They're all connected. And when you realize that they're not just connected because they're famous, they're connected because their families have known each other for yep. decades, generations, centuries. Like, that's real. Um. Let's go to, oh, this is a good one here. Uh, okay, let's talk about, we did Vito, we did Frank. Okay, we're gonna talk about Papa John Phillips. Brace mm. yourselves for this one. Fucking wild, a whole mm. fucking shit storm. Um, so Papa John, was in the band Mamas and Papas. His mm -hmm. real name was uh, John Edmund Andrew Phillips. His father was the Marine Captain Claude Andrew Phillips that I spoke of earlier, who was in Haiti with Crosby's yeah. father. So John Phillips uh, went to the military prep schools here in DC. Um, he married uh, a woman named Susie Adams, who's a descendant of second president John Adams. Oh. Because of course. Susie's father was involved with covert military operations. And Susie herself actually later worked at the Pentagon, his wife, okay? And John's older sister, Rosie, also worked at the Pentagon for about 30 years. Wow. Uh, things are connected and it's not just, it's not like, oh, they're famous and got a job. No, 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 no. There's no, they all, they all grew up in like that area. They all Their grew parents up in, were all military. They grew up in the club. They grew up and they joined the club and everything's already decided for them. They fill their roles or do their obligations or whatever. And I mean, look at it. Um, so his mother also claimed to be psychic and she worked for the federal government for most of her <laughs> life. So there you go. Um, his older brother, Tommy, was also a former Marine, and he was a cop for the city of Alexandria after that. So here's where it gets, you know, uh, fucking weird, crazy shit. So I didn't realize, I know some of this, and I didn't realize this is how it was connected. So he has some, he has a few children. He's got like three or four children. Um, and one of his daughters is Mackenzie Phillips, who 
She started acting when she was 12 in George Lucas's breakthrough film, American Graffiti, which George Lucas was filming at a Rolling Stones concert. I forget what year, but before he was famous, he was like filming at a Rolling Stones concert. I think it was the Rolling Stones. I might be mistaken. It, I'm pretty sure though. Um, but there was like a murder at the at this show. It was like a live mm -hmm. concert, and he was he was filming it, and, and um, all these crazy connections, right? That was George Lucas, who went on to you know become a major director, giant, yeah. So um, during filming, uh, Mackenzie Phillips, once she started acting when she was twelve, uh, John Phillips, her father, signed away guardianship to a producer, Gary Kurtz, that she was working with. What? Um, and she, I knew this about her. She was arrested like for public intoxication, cocaine possession. She went to rehab a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And then she was on like some Disney shows like later in the 90s. Um, yeah, she was on One Day at a Time. That's what it was. That that was the one before. Yes. Um, she was also on Supernatural. Was she? Yeah, Supernatural and So Weird. Oh, So Weird is the one I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. She but she was, was also like her film American Graffiti, I think is what she's most famous for. Mm -hmm. So she um, was in remakes of the Mamas and Papas several times because John yeah. Papa was or John Phillips was uh, her father. Mm -hmm. She released a memoir in 2009 in which she said that her father introduced her to drugs by injecting her with cocaine at age 11. Yep. And then she, trigger warning, brace yourself, you know, she also said that um, her father, the night before her wedding, when she was 19, that he um, assaulted her, he, uh, yeah, sexually assaulted her, and that that went on for a decade until she became pregnant and had a fucking abortion. I mean, again, trigger, but I, I as you were saying it, I started reading it, mm -hmm. that she says... I'll, I'll probably be more explicit that at the age of 19, the night before her wedding, her first wedding, mm -hmm. I woke up that night, quote, mm -hmm. I woke up that night from a blackout to find myself having sex with my own father. Yes. And then when she confronted him later, asking why he had raped her, her father replies, raped you? Don't you mean we made love? Yes. That's what I read in the fucking book. Like, throw up. <laughs> I threw up in my throat a little bit. So, yes. And, um, what? and yes, I just read about the abortion that her father paid for. Mm -hmm. And so this guy made all this happy music talking about like, no, these people are not who they say they are. And, and when you uh. look and, and like, look at it, like, you don't want to believe it because of who they are. We have them on a pedestal. We look at them right. like shiny, shiny little objects that can do no wrong. And it's just like, we block it. Like it can't be true. It's so horrible. But if, it, if this was a regular person, like a coworker that we heard about, that would not be the reaction. We would be like disgusted, upset. We would believe it. You, you know what I mean? We wouldn't sit there like, what? Oh my, I don't, what? Like maybe she's not telling the truth. Like that wouldn't be the discussion. I don't like any of this. It's fucking crazy, right? And so, but, so wait. Now I'm going back to because I'm looking at pictures of how much Ted Bundy and fucking Jack Nicholson look alike to me. 
I'm like clicking back and forth. Okay, sorry. I backtracked. I need to do a side by side of that. We should do that. It's a lot. It's a lot. Oh, uh, to piggyback off of that. Okay, Mackenzie Phillips. She had an older sister. Uh, mm-hmm. Bijou Phillips. Bijou. Bijou. Yeah. Bijou. Uh, who she was partially raised in foster care. So mm-hmm. she was reunited with John Phillips at eight. And then when she was 14, she was the star of a Calvin Klein ad uh, that many people, including the U.S. Justice Department, considered to be borderline child porn. porn. Yeah, because yes. she was like, yes, I, I remember that. And now she's currently a Scientologist. <laughs> so. We have to do a fucking episode on that bananas bullshit. We will because I I had I went to, that was one of the first dives I went down a couple years ago. Oh man, that's a big one. That's a good one. We will noted. Um, and here here is an amazing twist, an amazing twist to Bijou on her kitty porn set. Um, one of the technical advisors on the Calvin Klein shoot was this guy who I don't know. You might know who he is. <laughs> His name is Ron Jeremy. (laughs) No way! (laughs) So he was a technical advisor and she was saying how he was like, you know, that that creepy porn guy. And fun fact about Ron Jeremy, his mother was an asset of the OSS, which is a precursor to the CIA. And his uncle had gangster ties to Benjamin Bugsy Siegel and he attended high school with future CIA director George Tenet. So that's a lot. So even the porn industry is infiltrated. It's all you cannot be a well-known reputable person without it being decided long ago or verified now that you're allowed like you don't just get to do these things and even in fucking porn like how how hilarious (laughs) i was just like are you fucking kidding (laughs) so two two random things tell me have you heard the story about how um bugsy seagal got murdered no tell me no again true i listen to a shit ton of true crime but so I don't remember a lot of it, but it was kind of like, it's kind of unsolved. Mm. So you should look into that. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Like it was, a, it was a weird shooting into an apartment building that was all of a sudden he was shot and he died on a couch in someone's apartment. All of a sudden. Well, like, yeah, anyway, so that's weird. But also this is not related at all, but um, this girl I used to work with, um, the company I used to work for, we would have Christmas parties down in West Palm, okay? And so I didn't go to this one particular party, but when they got back, one of the girls I used to work with was like, oh, I fucking met Ron Jeremy. And I was like, oh, fuck. What? And she was like, I have pictures. Let me show you. And so she showed me pictures of them, like, I mean, wasted face, right? Like, yeah, at a club or whatever. But he's so gross. P.S. I've I've seen I've seen his porn. It's fine, whatever. And I think the only reason he's in porn is because he has a gigantor. You know. Well, that's the point. But gross. He's gross. He's real gross. He's gross as fuck. (laughs) He's not there. I don't care what you 
find attractive. I get maybe I care. His soul but like, is gross. But there was never a time in his life where he wasn't gross. <laughs> right. He's fucking like, it's, gross. It's not like he used to be hot and is now a washed up hot dude. He's always been some weird, fat, big nosed. <laughs> drag his ass dude with like fucking receding hairline with a blow-up dick yes <laughs> a gigantor blow-up dick oh my god <laughs> what a fun twist right it's fucking oh. everything i have a this i think is um one of the last big bombs that i have and this was my uh surprisingly my favorite one that i stumbled across so get ready because I'm going to ruin it for you. I'm here for it. <clears throat> the Beach Boys. Oh, ruin it. They're, they suck. Okay. <laughs> okay, good. No attachments. None. So they released their first album before there was a Laurel Canyon. They came out, uh, it was like in the late 50s, I believe. Um, so Father Beach Boy, Father Murray had a job at AI Research, which was an aeronautics firm tasked with manufacturing parts for Boeing civilian and military aircraft. And he was also really abusive, like his father before him. There was a history mm -hmm. of it in the family. As we know, this is fucking the roots of it all. Uh, so there's three brothers, three Beach Boys. Brian Wilson is the oldest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Dennis Wilson is the middle child. And Carl Wilson is the youngest one. And uh, Dennis was the drummer. Carl was the lead guitarist. And then they brought in cousin Mike Love. And then uh, neighbor slash uh, classmate Al Larden. So their first single came out uh, December 8th, 1961. Okay, so 61 was when they started. And it was the song Surfing. Mm -hmm. Okay, that, you know, sorry, right. Everybody's going surfing. So, so, USA. <laughs> so Brian, when the song came out, Brian, the oldest, was 19, Dennis was 17, and Carl was barely 15. Oh, wow. Very interesting. I didn't know that at all. I did not know that. Now, uh, Brian, the oldest, the oldest beach boy, met a girl named Marilyn Rovel, Ravel, we'll see. And uh, she had a sister named Diane, and the two of them made up two-thirds of uh, the Honeys. Mm -hmm. band them. So at this time, Brian was 20, and Marilyn was 14. Okay, so then he got yeah. his own place, and they got married later that year, or the following year, when she was 15, and he was 21. Ooh. So I know we had, we had times were different, but also I feel a 15-year-old now is a 15-year-old then is a 15-year-old a thousand years ago. Right. Different, of course, there's different, um, but a child, <laughs> a 15-year-old child. Um, so brother Dennis, mm -hmm. different brother, he began an affair with a lady named Carol Friedman, and Carol was 16, already divorced with a one-year-old who was rumored to be fathered by Jim Morrison. What? What a life. Imagine. Imagine. <laughs> so brother Carl, the youngest, he married 
a barely 16-year-old girl named Anne Hinch, who was the daughter of a wealthy casino owner from the Philippines. Okay, that's normal. Mm -hmm. Cousin Mike, who was in the band, his second wife was a 17-year-old named Suzanne Belcher. And then in the summer of, uh, this is Cousin Mike, so in the summer of 1968, the summer of Manson, another time, Dennis began an affair with 15-year-old Diane Adams. So uh, Dennis, all right, this is a whole fucking web, I'm telling you. Dennis, when he was in his 30s, married a girl <laughs> named Sean Love. Now that sounds familiar because I said his bandmate is his cousin mm -hmm. named Mike Love. Right. So Sean Love is, by most accounts, the illegitimate daughter of cousin slash bandmate Mike Love, also 15. So he, in his 30s, married the 15-year-old illegitimate daughter of his cousin slash bandmate. Are you tracking? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so are these people we're looking up to and that we want to be like? Nope, I don't think so. I mean, no. nobody wanted to be the Beach Boys to begin with, but prospective people look into these people, look into the people that you're spending money on. You need to know yeah. who these people are, what you're listening to, what are their values? Um, what is their background? Well, Brian, the oldest, he was committed to a mental hospital in 1968 for a little while. And um, cousin Mike was also taken away in a straitjacket, actually for involuntary oh. treatment. So, yeah, so it says in 19, in 1964, mm -hmm. Brian suffered a nervous breakdown. He went a few times. Their father was super abusive to them. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, and he fucked kids. So, you know, yeah, breakdown. Fucking crazy. Ugh. So, Ugh. also, another crazy connection, Brother Dennis in 1968 hosted Charles Manson and his followers at his house. I can't even find anything on him. On who? Dennis. They probably erased him. He was like, I think he's the beach boy who was found drowned. Yeah, he was found drowned allegedly in 13 feet of water in a marina, uh, in a Marine Del Rey boat slip a month okay, after wait. his wife filed for divorce. <laughs> okay, now I found him. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he died in 1983. And um, yeah, he took Charles Manson on several occasions to record some of his songs at his brother's, uh, brother Brian's home studio. But of course, none of those recordings have ever surfaced. Um, but it's said that one of Manson's songs was essentially stolen by Dennis and renamed Never Learn Not to Love, allegedly. Hmm. And Brian had a psychiatrist named Eugene Landy who controlled his entire fucking life for 10 years until Stan Love, another cousin, filed to be Brian's legal counselor. He hired, hired the psychiatrist. I don't know for what, but like he, he did everything. He controlled like who his friends were, what he ate, who he fucked, everything. Like he was controlling everything, where he went, what he did, everything. And that went on for 10 years. It only ended when it was like settled in court. Hmm. talk about some crazy shit and trauma like that sounds like his handler to me or some other kind of crazy shit like um, 
And so then in 1980, the Beach Boys played a benefit concert for none other than George H.W. Bush. Hmm. And then a few months later, they did the inaugural ball for uh, the Reagan Bush administration. And Dennis had a brief affair with uh, Patty Davis, Reagan's daughter. Ooh, that's a lot. Yep. So, and then the final thing with the Beach Boys, because that's all fucking crazy. Knowing all of this, okay, I, uh, there's, listen, first of all, now when you listen to the Beach Boys, you know this information, it's like, holy fuck. Because, right, their music generally, right, it sucks. It sounds very happy, upbeat, kind of, I mean, distorted happy. But that's the impression. It's trying to sound happy, upbeat, beachy, girls, topless on cars, and all that kind of shit. So, so Brian but, Wilson has a house here oh. off of Davis Island, I think. Oh. And a company I used to work for, we designed, like, his kitchen oh. and shit in the house. And, like, so, yeah weird connection a direct line <laughs> weird connection like and i worked there when we did it what was it like i don't think i ever went but i saw pictures what it's like every other house on davis island bougie as fuck mm. did it look dark and ominous no because all those houses are big and open and windowy mm. did it have a dungeon <laughs> you know i don't know <laughs> I mean, I'm personally not opposed to a dungeon. Mm. <laughs> uh, so, you know, next time you listen to, you know, think about it. Their song, Wouldn't It Be Nice, where they're talking about wanting to be older so they can be together and not have to wait so long. They've got a I just song. Have, I just have <laughs> surfing stuck in my head. Yeah, right? Surfing USA. <laughs> um, good vibrations, you know. I'm good vibrations um there's a song called uh, hey little tomboy that i hadn't heard before but i listened to and i looked the lyrics up and it was saying mm -mm. some shit like oh yeah it, nasty hold on let me look this up real quick hey it said something about like you're a girl now or, or something about being a girl time to be a girl oh, something oh. nasty it was not okay um Hey little, hey little tomboy, sit here on my lap. I got things that I gotta tell you. No more skateboards. Put away your baseball mitt. Your rough living days are through. You could find places to go. You could see that boys love you so. They're doing it all over the world. Hey little, hey little, hey little tomboy. Time to turn into a girl. No. Absolutely. Go listen to that shit. That's disturbing. That made it like <laughs> not the same, but it makes me think of the the well, yeah, and the fucking nightman cometh, <laughs> where he's like a boy, and <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? No. Have you ever seen It's Always Sunny? No. Oh fuck, Ryan, you gotta watch that. I know. For anyone listening, do you know what I'm talking about? In the episode of It's Always Sunny, the nightman cometh, where they're like. <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> they will know exactly what I'm fucking talking about. The little boy rape scene, but not rape scene. That sounds terrible. They will know what I'm talking about. Okay. okay. It's not. You need to watch it. I mean, okay. it's, it's what it is. So, and then there's another song called I Want to Pick You Up. Which, yeah, you do. Which. <laughs> 
I don't remember what the lyrics were, but it did have something gross. Okay. I love to pick you up because you're still a baby to me. Cribs and cradles and bottles and toys are part of the joys they bring. Ugh, look at you. <laughs> I'm so uncomfortable. It's so, the whole song is that. I want to wash your face and change your clothes and button your shoes, walk you around and wrestle with you. Then I'm going to make you sing. In the morning, I could wake you up, feed you breakfast from a little cup. I want to pick you up, rock you back and forth, and make you smile. I want to hold you close for a while. I want to tickle maybe, your feet, drop Maybe you it's about a child. It is, clearly. But like your child. Pat, 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 pat her on her butt butt. She's going to Okay, sleep. done. Be done. Quiet. Done. Pat. <laughs> I'm giving you the raw and real truth. This is, this is, go listen to it. <laughs> that is fucking Beach Boys. Now, understand these lyrics, these words. Now, think of this, this famous show that I watched in my childhood. It was my favorite when I was a fucking kid. Full House. I know. Beach Boys was all, it was, it was part of the show. They had the Beach Boys in the fucking show at Disney World. Yeah. I'm speechless. Well, what's, uh, so Full House was on ABC. Who owns ABC? The fucking lizards. Disney. Disney. Who's yes. a fucking bitch? We got to talk about another time. That's a earth shattering thing. Sorry, but he was a fucking douche. That's, that's an understatement. A big understatement. I'm yeah. I'm coddling y'all from that for now. Yeah. So okay, so we just went all over the place on this episode. <laughs> yes. So so we basically just ruined the '60s slash '70s, but mostly '60s music culture for yes. most people mm -hmm. and their connections to big government, shadow government, whatever you want to say, and like propaganda that. shit. Um, I really thought we were going to go into Charles Manson, and I'm glad we didn't, because we can save that for, like, a, a serial killer time. episode. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I didn't have many notes on him, just yeah. pretty much just kind of those connections he had with some of those other people, but... No, we, we have to go... We have to do a deep dive. I really want to do... Um, I really want to do a soon, like a really soon episode on like our favorite serial killers. And, and I say that loosely because I don't condone right. serial killing. Right. We just want to look into the information and we want to try to look at the other lens and see the, the other realm of serial killers. We're going to yes. explore some things. I like that though. So look up some, I'm going to take some notes right here. <laughs> oh, I took some notes while you're talking. We, we so. did, we, we went everywhere. And you know, there's, there's so much information, like you can take all of that so much deeper. Like the, the book that I said at the beginning, we'll, we'll post the name of that too. It has all of like the little details of the date that this person was here and this person was here and this and that, like, it's all of that. So if you're into that, like I am, and you get all the info, go for it. But there's a lot of other books out there too, that are on the same topic. So. Um, and it's really like, what we talk about, right? So for me, like mission down the rabbit hole is just fucking question everything. Like we're not here to spoon feed you every bit of information 
so that you can walk away and be like, oh, I know all the answers. We don't fucking know all the answers. (laughs) It's about, we don't even know some of the answers, maybe. But it's about like, look at all of the connections, look at the information that's out there, look at what you fucking have access to. Ask questions and think, think, just think. Stop living by what you're told to think. Just think for yourself. That's how I feel. I agree with you. And I will say, um, I realized yesterday right? Because this whole thinking, people don't stop to think. Mm-hmm. My, my elementary school that I went to, one of the things they drilled in our head, actually, and I totally forgot about this, they used to have stop signs all over, like different mm-hmm. places around the school. And it would say, stop and think. And they would say it every morning to us. They would say, stop and think, make good choices to have a good day. And oh. I was like, holy shit. That, like, they would say it every day. And when has that been taught? I I never heard it since I left elementary school after fifth grade. I didn't hear it. Blew my mind. Yep. Well, there's nothing wrong with it. That's how I learned. Got to stop and think so you make good choices and have a good fucking day. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Don't just go along with shit. Right. And like, this was, oh my God, look into all of this. And you know what? Uh, Sorry if I, you know, totally shattered it for you, but like really look into this. You're putting your energy into these people. You're putting your time, your money. You should be like looking into it and just, I don't know, checking into it a little bit. I mean, or not, but. (sighs) It, It doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be ruined. Just know that these people are not idols they're not saints they're not perfect they're not any of those things and if you like the music you like the music i fucking like miley cyrus i'm not gonna lie i do like the beatles you fucking listen to them and you like i'm not i'm not a big fan of the beach boys or john denver or whatever (laughs) no and you know there's something fun about listening to uh these these people when you have a different perspective on them or when you find Mm -hmm. shit out about them the music hits different things you find hidden meaning double meaning it's like you're super sleuth and that's fun and it's it's like a fucking game you get to like imagine and you know be creative and you know i'm always looking into the double meaning of fucking everything driving myself insane so whatever it's it's fun Fun. (laughs) this is great i love i just i just realized your shirt says alexandria it does. Established 1779. Mm. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> we have to, okay, so um, before we wrap it up. <laughs> what? Never mind. So let's wrap it up, and then when we're done, I'll tell you what I was going to say. Okay. That was me filtering. Amazing. Okay. So yeah, this was a really fun spider web. A really fun, I won't say deep dive because it was really kind of like an all over the place dive. Yeah, but it was was cool connections. Um, I hope everybody that's listening got something out of it. And these are, this is why I love doing this to me. Like I love connecting 
with you, obviously, you're such an awesome person, but like bouncing ideas off and just like having these conversations is so, this is, this is to me what a podcast should be. You know what I mean? It shouldn't be like ultra rehearsed. And mm-hmm. I agree. I, I fucking love it. Me too. And I wouldn't have went down this dive. Like I love doing shit like this and I find new things that I need to look up for you, for us so that we can talk about it. I'm like, what, what fucked up shit can I find out about this? Let's go. <laughs> but it's awesome. I love it. I love it. And if we can make one person think, one person, you know, dive into something or investigate and and maybe maybe think differently than they used to that's what I'm here for um hotel california you can check in anytime you like but you can never leave don't ruin that don't ruin that song for me don't ruin the eagles <laughs> we we didn't go down the eagle hole for a reason Ooh, the eagle don't ruin hole. the eagles that's for me nice. that's really hole. good for me because I love birds of prey <laughs> We won't touch the Eagles yet. Don't do it. Don't do it. (laughs) All right. So, uh, yeah, we've been everywhere, I guess. Yeah, let's wrap this up. Awesome. Well, everybody, this was episode six. I hope you loved it. We love you. Um, You can find our Instagram, Mission Down the Rabbit Hole. There's underscores in there. It's fine. You'll find it. Um, (laughs) And (laughs) you can find Tessa at... I'm at into the mystic 1109 on Instagram. And that's the only place I am. And we recently started a Patreon. It's mission down the rabbit hole. There's no content on there yet, but we are contemplating some bonus episodes. Um, and I think we're going to put up videos on YouTube. Haven't done it yet, but we record every week our videos <laughs> and um what let's see what else is coming uh i think that's pretty much it we are available on everywhere you find your podcasts um except apple i don't know why they're taking so long we're on spotify google amazon all that stuff so you can find us there and we would love some really good reviews we love you guys yeah, and if you have any questions or any uh, ideas of things you want us to dive into or talk about, definitely send those our way. That would be super We're here cool. for it. Fucking here for it. <laughs> All right. Eagle out. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.